The title of the message this morning is When Doves Fly. When Doves Fly. In our previous verses, God said the nation of Israel was like an aging man who thinks maybe he's as young as he used to be, but he's not. He's got gray hairs coming up on his head, and he doesn't know it. It's because his strength has been eaten up by the strangers that he's made leagues with, the, the godless nations around him. Instead of loving and serving the one true God, Israel had rejected the truth and served the false gods of the nations around them. Israel should have humbled themselves before God and joyfully submitted to His Word, but they were a proud and stubborn nation. They were not the nation they once were. They were a proud and stubborn nation. And they kept experiencing decline as a nation. And Brother Steve told me this morning, he said, when you went to Hosea, I just knew you were going to show how America... And uh, was declining like Israel and how God was going to judge America like Israel and you did I said well, yeah it's hard to read Hosea and you kind of wonder who God's talking to is he talking to them or to us and um, they were a nation in decline they were fragmenting as a nation they were trying to hang on to that, that original strength and, and that glory that they had, but it, it was falling apart, just like our nation, fragmenting. And there's something, when we look at the title, When Doves Fly, there's something about human nature, the sinfulness of the human heart that we're going to be looking at today. And that is the stubbornness of rebellion. The, the, the lack of logic behind rebellion. I saw a, um, a quote the other day. I didn't comment on it because I didn't want to embarrass someone. But uh, perhaps you've heard this before. Someone said, if someone could just experience... 30 seconds in hell then all the world would come to Jesus that's not true people were saying amen amen not true you can inflict as much pain as you want to on someone without Christ and they will be dead set in their rebellion against him. Dead set. And we're going to look at that t this uh, today. When, when doves fly. By looking at the text. And what God shows us here with Israel. It's quite amazing. You know when you look at the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man says. Send Lazarus to go warn. My brothers. So they won't come to this terrible place. And there's two things that we learn from that. One, Abraham says no. They have Abraham and the prophets, and even if someone came back from the dead and warned them, they still wouldn't believe. But the other thing we learn is this. The rich man never said, I am so sorry for what I did to get here. <laughs> is there any way you could ask God for mercy? I'm really, really sorry. No. 
The reason people go to hell, the reason hell is forever, they never repent. They never repent. And so uh, I believe if a person in hell could actually repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe they'd spring out of hell. But we know that won't happen. It can't happen. And we see that today in the, the human nature of the sinner. The Israelites, they were a stubborn nation. They were unthankful for the blessings that God had given them. And, and they apparently thought they could be just fine without God. They were like a bunch of rebellious teenagers who had gotten too big for their britches. Who had their own car, nice clothes, a nice home to live in, plenty of food on the table. Sometimes teenagers get all of that and they think, hey, I'm okay. I can do on my own, you know. I don't need my parents. And, and uh, they're blessed like that, so they start to take mom and dad for granted. They don't consider that somebody is working and paying for their gas in their vehicle and the clothes on their back and the food on their table. And developing an ungrateful attitude like this, they feel all grown up and they begin to despite their parents' rules. And when that happens... All a parent has to do is quit paying for the gas, quit supplying the clothes, start rationing the food, and take away the keys to the car. And that will be a really good reality check for the teenager. It may not make the teenager think right. It may not correct their, their attitude. But it will sure be a good reality check. And that's what God's been doing with Israel in the book of Hosea. A man I knew was telling me one day about a friend of his that had a son that he gave a pickup truck to. And he told him, now you drive the truck right and don't do this, don't do the other, and you go straight from here to here to work or whatever, and you do all of this and, and uh, you know, treat that vehicle right, son. And one day the son broke his dad's rule. And uh, his son had another teenager in the vehicle with him, and they were riding to school. And you know what happens when another teenager gets in there? One of them wants to show off a little bit. And, and uh, one day, uh, his son spun his tires out in the neighborhood and calls the neighbor to call the dad and complain. And the son knew better than to drive his pickup that way. But he thought, you know, I'm big enough. I can do what I want to do here. Everything's going to be okay. This is my truck. And so the dad decided to teach him a lesson. And he took his pickup away from him and said, now you and your friend are going to have to start walking to school. While all your friends are driving their vehicles to school, you're going to have to walk to school. And then one day after his vehicle was taken away and they were walking to school, my friend was telling me the story. He said it began to rain. So him and his friend are walking to school, not only shamefully in the school, but now they're drenched wet walking to school in the rain. And his dad was a, a highway patrolman. And he's in his patrol car, and as he's driving down the road, he sees his son and the other boy walking in the rain. So he pulls over, rolls down his window of the patrol car, and he says, boys, y'all want to ride to school? They said, yes, sir. He says, too bad. He rolls his window up and he drives off. <laughs> and that may sound cruel, 
But it's a whole lot less cruel than those boys dying in a car crash. It's a whole lot less cruel than those boys growing up to be disrespectful, unthankful thugs. Every step those boys took in the rain should have been a good reminder of what they did to cause their privilege to be taken away. And to let them know what they could do to regain the comfort and the convenience that was once given to them. The dad's objective was not to be cruel to his son. His objective was to teach his son a lesson and spare the son the tragedy that can happen from driving his vehicle that way. If his son was wise, then he would have acknowledged that he was wrong. He would have accepted responsibility for his actions and took punishment like a man. And then ask his father with an humble heart to reinstate his privileges based on the condition that he would once again follow his father's rules. In the same way with Israel, as they begin to fragment, as they begin to decline... They should have been the type of nation that accepted responsibility for their actions... If they would have been wise, they would have acknowledged their sin. They would have uh, uh, acknowledged and taken responsibility for the wrong that they had done and, 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 and taken their punishment honorably and then asked God to restore them back to the nation they once were as they followed His Word. But that's not what Israel did. Now what if instead of the son that the dad drove and left him off in the rain, what if instead of the son acknowledging the reason that he was walking to school in the rain because of his reckless driving habits. What if he starts walking over to a friend's house and says, Hey, can you take me to school? My dad took my vehicle away. He told me to walk. But you know, maybe I can ride with you. Now, instead of learning from his punishment and growing up as a man, he's now doubling down in his rebellion. And he's seeking help from a friend. Instead of getting right and going back to his father... To have his privilege restored, he's doubling down his rebellion, going to a person he thinks is a friend so he can continue on in his wicked way. That's what Israel did with God. Hosea chapter 7, let's look in verse 10 now. After describing the things that have been happening to Israel and that strangers have devoured her strength, as they have here in America. After describing how strangers have devoured their strength... He says, and, in other words, and yet, in other words, the pride of Israel testifieth to his face. In spite of all that's been happening to them, the pride of Israel testifies to his face. To restore their nation back to its former glory. To heal their hurting land and regain their strength and their national sovereignty. All Israel had to do was repent of their sinful ways and turn back to God. That simple. Israel wanted help. Israel wanted a booming economy again. Israel wanted to have the standard of living that was enjoyed by the previous generations. Speaking of which, my son Abel and I were talking the other day about the housing market. I purchased my first house when I was 20 years old. Housing has always been important, but it's not always been out of the reach of many people like it is today. It's very sad. Who would have thought that 20 years ago that people would be selling their homes 
getting a travel trailer and moving into RV parks so they wouldn't have to pay property taxes on their houses. Because they couldn't afford them. Or they couldn't afford to buy a new house. So they, they, we got RV parks springing up everywhere. And people living in them because they can't afford housing. The house I live in now has almost tripled in value, in dollar value, since I purchased it. And even though my house is getting older every month, it keeps going up in value every single month. Those of you, if you're, if you're paying for your house, if you're uh, paying attention to your escrow account, you'll see. If you've paid for your house and you're paying taxes on your house, writing a check out every year like I have, you, you definitely know uh, about your taxes. And they, they keep sending every year showing how my house goes up so many hundreds of dollars in value every month. You say, Brother Richard, that's wonderful that your house is getting so much more valuable. No, it's not. Because as my house continues to gain value every month, my salary doesn't. Your salary doesn't. And so now housing is getting further and further out of reach for young people. It's very sad. Transportation now costs what housing used to cost. Isn't that right, Brother Doug? Brother Doug knows about that. He's paying a note. What he's paying on his car is about twice what I used to pay on my house payment, my first house I bought. When I was growing up, a young person could get a job hauling hay for in the summertime and make enough money out of that summertime job to buy a used pickup or watermelons. And now people are taking out five and six year loans for vehicles. And because of the cost, shopping for a, a new car isn't fun anymore. The good old days have gone. And Americans would love to get back to the time when we didn't have to be so far in debt to get so far ahead. They would love to go back to lower gas prices, lower grocery prices, lower medical prices, lower housing prices. They would love to go back to the time when mass shootings were not part of normal everyday life. Back to a time when parents weren't afraid to send their kids to school. They would love to go back to a time when things were actually made in the good old U.S. of A. It's hard to do. Back to a time when people weren't afraid of Russia and China. Yes, they would love to return to those times, but they refused to return to the godly standards we embraced when we enjoyed those times. Israel wanted to go back to those times, but they refused to return to the godly laws that afforded them those times. God said, Israel's pride testifies to his face. One day I was trying to arrest a drunk driver and I had one hand behind her back. She had the other hand in front of her. And I said, I had one handcuff on her hand. I said, give me your other hand. She said, no. I went up like this with her hand. And she goes, ouch. I said, well, then give me your other hand. No. I went up higher. Ouch, you're hurting me. Stop. Well, then give me your other hand. No. 
You know, that's what Israel was doing. You know, that's what America's doing. Ouch! Stop! And God says, return to me. No! Stubborn rebellion. That woman, that quick, could have had instant comfort had she just complied with the law. Israel could have had comfort had she complied with the law. America could have comfort if she would comply with God's word. You know what that woman's problem was? She wanted me to give her the freedom and comfort that belonged to law-abiding citizens. But she didn't want to obey the law and give the, the lawful obedience that came along with it. That night her own pride testified to her face. Her pride said, hey, your living conditions can improve immediately, but you're too proud to humble yourself and obey the law. And in the same way, the Israelites could have improved their living conditions almost immediately, but they were too proud to humble themselves and obey God's word. America would rather fall in her sins than stand in God's righteousness. And we'll say that again. America, like Israel, would rather fall in her sins than stand in God's righteousness. Every time we have a politician who wants to return to some standard of godliness. Every time we have someone who thinks, you know what, we need, uh, we need to be able to have families again and women raising children in their homes again. And, and instead of putting them in daycare and sending them off to some other place, actually have a woman in the house taking care of the home and taking care of the kids. A man going out and earning a living. A family actually being a man and a woman with real children that proceed out of their, out of, out of their loins, as the Bible puts it. And, and instead of uh, uh, broken families and, and, and homosexual families and adopting kids that by nature they can't even have. And, and, and go back to the way things God wants it to be. And, and, and how about we start believing in God again in the schools? And how about we start having prayer again in the schools? And how, how about we start uh, doing righteously again in our nation? And when a politician has some thinking like that do you know what they say they're trying to put us back in the stone ages that's what they say they're trying to send us set us back 50 to 100 years and so instead of trying to do what it would take to make things better they say no we progress this far from God and if we do that, we're going to lose the progress we've made. That's what they think progress is. Progressing away from God. They'll claim that they're progressive. and They'll claim that we're trying to turn the clock back on the progress they've made. And that was Israel's problem as well. They had made a lot of progress. The problem was they were progressing in the wrong direction. And when given the choice by God's prophets, they chose to continue ahead in their sins instead of going back to the ways of God, lest they lose the progress they made in their departure away from Him. It's very sad. And church, that's really what all this boils down to in America. While we are lamenting our sad condition as a nation, the rest of the nation is celebrating the progress of the distance they've managed to place between them and God.
And no matter how much better off they would be if they would return to God, they are too proud to repent and acknowledge Him. God said, look back in your text. And they do not return to the Lord their God nor seek Him for all this. Take your pens and underscore. They do not return. And now underscore for all this. In other words, in spite of all of this, in spite of all that's happened to their country, in spite of, let's bring it to America now, in spite of COVID, in spite of all the senseless violence we face in our nation, in spite of the vast increase in homelessness and drugs and suicide and crime and depreciation in many of our major cities... Great depreciation. People are fleeing those cities. And what are those cities doing? Are they saying, man, we've got to change something here. No. They double down. We'll still have prosecutors who won't prosecute crime. We'll still persecute anyone who lives righteously. They'll double down. Those people would rather endure the misery they created than embrace the mercy God offers them. That's really what it boils down to. There is no logic to this. There is no reasoning to this. It is just the result of the sinful pride of wicked men and it will continue into the last days. Expect it to get worse. Write down in your notes or your margin, Revelation chapter 2 verses 20 through 21. God said in Hosea, for all of this, yet for all of this, they still won't return to me. Revelation chapter 2, verse 23, 21. And God is going to be speaking here, Jesus is going to be speaking here to a rebellious church. Speaking of which, Brother Steve told me something this morning. You talk about a mess in our nation. Brother Steve was telling me that there was a man who identifies as Jesus Christ, calls himself Jesus Christ, is it San Diego, you said? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, he has a radio program at 6 in the morning, 6 in the morning, and it's called the Jesus Christ Show. And thousands of people in that area on the FM radio station, I assume, thousands of people are tuning in to the Jesus Christ Show in lieu of going to church. Could you imagine? Calls himself Jesus Christ. And thousands of people are tuning in to this fake, this idolater, and listening to him rather than going to church. How wicked our nation has become. And as California continues to go down, and the, some of the major cities around us are continuing to go down, for all of this, they still will not return. Listen to this. Jesus speaking to a rebellious church, says, notwithstanding, in Revelation 20, I'm sorry, 2, verse 20 and 21, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent, or time to repent of her fornication, and she repented not." church is going to be messed up in the last days, a portion of it as it is today. 
they'll be given a time to repent and they won't repent. Brother Gabriel was telling me about a church. What city was that in? Mesquite. A big church in Mesquite that had the gay pride flag out. What did they say again on that? Trans flag and a gay pride flag out in front of the church and says, United in Christ. Or, or Is that right? Some of that nature. God says, I give her space to repent, and she wouldn't repent. Now, you look in Revelation chapter 9, verse 20. In Revelation chapter 9, God's going to send these plagues on the unbelieving world, and He's going to destroy many people. But those who survive the plagues and who see all of that destruction, and they know it's coming from God, they will still refuse to repent. Revelation 9.20 says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. They see people destroyed because of their sins, and they still double down. We're not going to repent. We're not going to take the gay flags off. We're not going to uh, quit claiming that I'm Jesus Christ and having people tune into my show. We're, we're, we're not going to repent. Revelation chapter 16 verse 9 says, And men were scorched with great heat, and blaspheme the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give Him glory. You see what's happening? God sends plagues. The people say, ouch! God says, then turn to me. No. That's the way they're going to be. Chapter, Revelation 16, verse 11 says, and blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. They're going to blame God for their sores, but they're not going to repent of the sins that caused them. It reminds me of people that I've had to deal with in law enforcement. They break the law. They do what they know is wrong and then they get mad at you for putting them in jail. They get mad at the judge for sentencing them. It's amazing how stubborn people can be because of this. You know, for the, for the unbelieving world, the, God is nothing but an inconvenient truth that just stands in their way of their sin. That's all God is to them. And God said because of this, Ephraim or Israel was not only proud, but verse 11, uh, Hosea 7, 11 Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They're like a silly dove without heart. Now, what does that mean? It means they were like a stupid bird, in this case a dove, that doesn't have any understanding. That's what it means without heart. They're like a stupid dove that has no understanding. Now, what does a dove do? If you know anything about a dove, they run in pairs. Dove, dove team up. I love dove. God said, what, is, what do these silly people doves do? It says they call to Egypt. Now, now, Egypt was the place that God originally delivered them from. 
They were in bondage in Egypt. And God, through the Passover lamb, delivered them out of Egypt, opened up the Red Sea, and brought them from bondage into freedom into the promised land. Egypt was not Israel's friend. And if they could have, they would have placed them back in bondage again. Assyria was not, Egypt, was not Israel's friend. Nevertheless, when things started going wrong in their nation, instead of looking up, they began looking around. I'm going to go to other men over here. I'm going to go to a nation over here. Maybe they can help me out of my trouble. Like a stupid bird with no sense, they begin to call to someone who wasn't their mate. Again, anyone who knows anything about doves know they have a mate, but instead of calling to her mate, her husband, God, Israel was like a stupid dove that called to someone she didn't belong to. Instead of calling to God, she called to the nation of Egypt to whom she didn't belong. She went to them for help when she was in trouble instead of God. God said, look back in your text, they go to Assyria. The idea is they're, they're making leagues with other nations, with sinful nations, and they're joining up with them, trying to get help from them, instead of joining up with God and trusting in His power, leaning on His strength. Just like America goes to China. Do you know we've been borrowing money from China for a long time? I, you know, I, I, Brother Shepherd, I didn't know that for a while. Until I listened to Bill Clinton. And with Bill Clinton, I was listening to him speak one day as president. And he said that China was America's banker. That's what he said. He said they're, uh, he referred to him as our banker. But instead of, you know, just like America, they go to China. They go to Saudi Arabia. Isn't that silly? Here we are, and you need energy, and you go to Saudi Arabia for energy. We need to put some pressure on OPEC. We need to put some pressure on them. Here we are relying on them. And then you go to other nations instead of returning to God. Just like Israel goes to America today for help instead of going to God. Israel is a secular nation. Yes, there's religious people in there. But they're religious like the Pharisees were. They don't accept Christ as their Savior. They have, they, 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 they're operating off a of false religion in the Old Testament, not understanding that it's pointing to Christ. And so here's Israel. They're trying to be a democracy like America. And they're trying to reach out so we can help fund, fund their, their Iron Dome and all these things that we do and the benefits that we help give them, the protection that we help give them. When what they really need to do is go to God and turn to Him. Then they'll get the protection they really need. But they don't. Going to God would mean we'd have to change our ways and live according to His Word. Oh, we don't want that. Relationships like this with other nations, when they are at the expense of our relationship with God may seem to work for a while, but ultimately they will end in failure. Here's a kingdom truth for you. A nation that partners with another nation 
in lieu of partnering with God, will ultimately find themselves ensnared by the very partnership that they had hoped would deliver them from their troubles. God said, look in verse 12, when they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. Underscore, they shall go. They shall go. Now underscore, I will spread my net. They shall go, and I will spread my net. Do you see the relationship, how this correlates together? They shall go like a bird, remember, like a silly dove. They fly away from God, and they shall go to Assyria. They shall fly off to Egypt, and their flight away from God becomes a net that's spread by God. Do you see that? Their flight away from God becomes a net that's spread by God. They fly away from God for help and become ensnared by their own departure. God said, look back in your text, I will bring them down as the fowls of heaven. They're like a silly dove crying out after Egypt, flying off to Assyria for help. And when they fly away from me, their flight will cause my net to be spread and bring them down from the sky. I will bring them down as the fowls of the heaven, as the birds in the sky. As they are flying away from me, I will bring them down like birds falling from the sky. God will bring the nation down that turns away from him. Psalm chapter 9, verse 17. Psalm 9, verse 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. When a nation flies away from God, it will never rise up. It will always fall down. God said, look back at your text, I will chastise them, meaning I will punish them as their congregation hath heard. In other words, just as I warned Israel by my prophets, just as I warned uh, the nations of this world in my word, the Bible. Uh, I'm going to punish them just like I said in the Bible. When the book of the Revelation is being fulfilled, that is the culmination of what we're reading here in the book of Hosea. God judges the nations with those plagues. The nations that have turned from Him. The nations that fail to, re- to, to, uh, to embrace Him. Ultimately, the only kingdom that will embrace Christ is the kingdom of God on earth, which is the church of Christ. And when Jesus comes, he's going to take his kingdom back with him. He's then going to punish the nations that have turned against him, pour out his wrath on them. And for all that, they still won't repent, but he's going to punish them. And the false church that claims to belong to him, he'll punish them as well. Just as he warned us in the Bible. You can mark this down. You can run from the word of God. But you cannot outrun the word of God. You can run from the word of God. But you cannot outrun the word of God. You can deny God's word. You can burn God's word. You can drive God's churches underground. But the further you fly. The further you will fall. And with that, we'll go ahead and close in God's Word today. And Lord willing, we'll take back up in the next verse next week. When doves fly, the persistence 
of the rebellious heart. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you, Father, for showing us that it's not just preaching hell on the lake of fire and making things scary to people that will cause them to repent. It's not some kind of miracle performed in front of them that will cause them to repent. Not something tragic that happens to them that necessarily will cause them to repent. But some people will just persist in their unbelief and their stubborn, rebellious heart. And Father, we thank you, dear Lord God, that you've given us your word to show us this, that we can understand, Lord, why, when it doesn't make sense to us, why our nation continues to vote the way it does, to choose the way it does, when it would be so much better for them to do differently. Thank you for giving us this understanding. And I pray, Father, you'll help us to maintain an humble heart, to stay true to your word. And as the nations of this world continue to fly further away, that we'll continue to stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and to not be moved from the hope that you've given us in your word and from your righteous commands. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Be with these people now as they go home. I pray you'll bless their meal and their time together as a family and bring us back this next Lord's Day in the midweek service together.